You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I am speaking with Dr. Gayla Gorman. She is a licensed acupuncturist, naturopath, and author who offers practical advice and programs to reverse health issues resulting from chronic stress. She helps women relieve their symptoms, restore their energy, and reclaim their superwoman status. Dr. Gayla advocates for getting to the root cause of the health issues and treating it naturally. She encourages patients to be their own health advocate. Ah, that's my favorite phrase. Or PCP, I like this one too, primary care person. So Dr. Gayla, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Erin. I look forward to our chat today. I think we are going to cover all sorts of great topics. All the things. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. But can you talk about even, let's just start with the concept of stress. What is stress and why is it impacting our physical health? So stress kind of gets a bad name, right? We think of stress negatively, but the truth of the matter is that um, there is good stress and bad stress. So um, the good stress is technically referred to as eustress. That's E-U stress. And um, we put ourselves under stress regularly And that actually makes us stronger, makes us healthier. Our immune system gets stressed with new um, toxins coming in. When we exercise, we put ourselves under stress. Um, So uh, we're constantly under stress. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. The problem is that then we kind of take it to the extreme. (laughs) And we start piling on additional... um, things on our to-do list, things on our mind, then probably as a byproduct of that to-do list, we may think, you know, well, I need to exercise more because the weight is um, maybe not coming off the way it used to when we were a little younger. And, and so we now piled on more stressors that individually we probably could have handled, may have been even able to keep them in the sort of eustress category. But once that like cup gets full and starts overflowing, now it's um, turning toxic, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, and so uh, I like to describe it to people in a way that they understand that stress isn't the enemy and it's unavoidable, right? We would not want a stress-free life. Those of us who live life to the fullest, love our full and fulfilling life. We don't want a stress-free free life. You would not be happy with that. And, um, and so what we have to do is learn to recognize when the glass is filling up and catch it before before it starts overflowing. Because mm-hmm. once it starts overflowing, now you've got this toxic mess everywhere you've got to clean up. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you mentioned that we wouldn't want to live with a stress-free life. I mean, 
some of us, we enjoy a little fight or flight, right? Because that's how we get things done. (laughs) It's that adrenaline burst that we get when we, you know, I I love roller coasters, right? So it's that thrill and some people, they live for that thrill and whatever, maybe it's taking a risk with their job, or maybe it's, you know, social situations or whatever it is. And so, yeah, so we don't want to completely get rid of it, but that load can really start building up quickly. And it seems like for a lot of women, it, it happens around the same time that the hormone load, maybe <laughs> things, things are shifting in, in that world too. Is that, is that right? Do you see that? So that's kind of interesting. Um, what happens is our ovaries and all of our sort of female um, workings, <laughs> mechanisms <laughs> kind of help us manage stress. If you think about, um, what it takes to be a mom and manage the kids and, you know, even just Mm -hmm. the child birthing process, Mm -hmm. like that's super stressful. Right. So, um, so that is being supported by our body's natural hormone fluctuation and, and, um, and, uh, we kind of are managing to keep all the balls in the air and we may, if you've got a lot of other toxic stressors that have already had your glass overflowing, you know, some people may already be dealing with a problem before they get to that point. But even if you're not, even if you pretty much were handling it and now you're getting close to 40 and you're finding that things just aren't working the way they used to work. What's happening is as our hormones are changing, our body turns to our adrenals to get a little extra support. And most of us have been frying our adrenals already. (laughs) So if you've got adrenal fatigue going into perimenopause, menopause, now your body's got nowhere to go, right? There's nothing, no resources to bridge the gap. And so- that's when many of us, I did it myself, turn to hormone replacement therapy. And um, you've got to experience it for yourself. If you're going to a um, any sort of doctor, whether it's Western or natural or any side of the fence you're on, most of them are going to recommend hormone replacement therapy. It's like the flavor of the decade now, right? It or really the is. Flavor of yeah. a couple of decades, right? Mm-hmm. But- I caution anyone who is going on any sort of medication long-term that we can never replace our body's natural hormone process from the outside. Hmm. So if you've got truly like a short-term problem, Let's just say that you're kind of in advanced years and you are pregnant and you, your doctor just said your progesterone's low. You won't be able to hold, maintain the pregnancy if we don't supplement with progesterone, but you're just going to supplement with progesterone until you get through the pregnancy, right? Like, it's not like you're going to supplement with progesterone forever, right? At that point, 
you make a decision. Like if I really want the pregnancy to be, be viable, I want to be able to carry the baby to term, then I'm going to take bioidentical preferably progesterone for the um, period of time that I'm pregnant. And then after I deliver, now I've got to determine um, how I'm going to navigate all those fluctuating hormones post pregnancy um, and whether or not in the short term, again, it makes sense to have a little help kind of navigating that bumpy road after that. But to go on bioidentical, even bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, when you're going through perimenopause or menopause, knowing that like, there's no way out. There's no, there's no, um, like, we're just going to do this for six months because at six months, this is going to happen. That's a slippery slope because what you want is for your body to naturally adjust itself so that it can do what it needs to do long-term, you know, keep in mind when, you know, nowadays it's not uncommon for us to live into our nineties or even beyond. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're going through menopause in your forties, you got, you're only halfway through life, mm -hmm. right? You got a lot of years to live, to be on hormone replacement therapy. Right. And, and I just, um, what I, the way I describe it to patients is I say, if you supplement in an, in a way that is not natural for your body, which any supplementation is going to be because you could never um, replace it in the intricate combination and at the timing that your body makes it to use, right? Mm -hmm. Then, then you're um, essentially creating lazy internal processes and signaling that then once you finally do make the decision to go off of it, which typically happens at some point um, for a lot of different reasons, um, now you've got all that repair work that needs to happen for your body even to say, okay, like, let me see if I can like figure it, figure this out now, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a great explanation. And I, you know, because like you said, we're talking about centuries, thousands of years of women that have gone through menopause before this was available. So our bodies should know what to do. And like adrenals pick up that load, but even adipose tissue, right. Helps to support, um, acts as an endocrine organ when our ovaries fail as well. Right. So I will say that, um, that our bodies tend to accumulate fat and, um, like we call it interstitial fluid, you know, how like people just get puffy and mm -hmm. they're not even really heavier necessarily on the scale, but they just look puffy. And, um, the adrenals sit on the kidneys and the kidneys are our sort of last filter for like toxicity to get out of the body. So when our adrenals are not able to keep up, 
Now you've got cortisol that's kind of out of whack, which then force, you know, essentially causes fat to accumulate because your body, you know, can't manage all of that. And then potentially you're going to have a fluid accumulation because your kidneys can't manage it all either because they're counting on the adrenals that they're not getting any help from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That brings us back to the concept of chronic stress and how stress, even good stress, can take a toll on the body at any level. And for my family, one of our favorite ways to de-stress is through play and through creativity. And that is why I am so excited that this episode is sponsored by KiwiCo. KiwiCo is defining the future of play by making it engaging, enriching, and seriously fun. I am always looking for more engaging activities to do with my kids and KiwiCo creates super cool hands-on projects designed to create a lifelong love for learning among kids. So even though it's fun and it's play, they're learning and they're using their imagination and they're using critical thinking skills. Each month, KiwiCo delivers crates packed with fun and sparks creativity with kid-friendly topics and activities. The crates cover a ton of interesting topics and provide real hands-on skills for kids to explore. From engineering robots to learning about the science of cooking, there is something for every kid. Discover subscription lines for kids of all ages, ranging from infants and preschoolers to teens and beyond. My boys are six and nine, and the six-year-old received a mechanical sweeper to put together, and the nine-year-old received a domino machine, and they loved putting these together. It took a lot of time. It was something that we were able to do together. I enjoyed it because it had, you know, enough difficulty to keep them engaged, but not too difficult to make them discouraged. And I got to see them use their critical thinking skills in action. I loved that. Both of my boys are really into world cultures right now and learning about different cultures. And so they're really looking forward to the Atlas Crate that helps to teach world culture appreciation through, of course, activities that are engaging and seriously fun. I know as a parent, it can be really hard to find creative ways to keep your kids busy, challenged, and off of those screens. Well, KiwiCo does the legwork for you so you can spend quality time tackling projects together. There's truly something for kids of all ages. Like I said, things from infant to preschool to 18 plus. You guys, there's even a Eureka crate that is designed for ages 12 to 100. So if you don't have kids who are young, you could get this for your adult kids. This is something that you can do no matter what age you are. There is no commitment so you can pause or cancel anytime. Redefine learning with play. Explore hands-on projects that build creative confidence and problem-solving skills with KiwiCo. Get 50% off your first month plus free shipping on any crate line at kiwico.com slash spark. That's 50% off your first month at kiwico.com slash spark. Dr. Gala, as we are talking about chronic stress and chronic stressors, I would love to know more about what you refer to as kryptonite and what is that when it comes to our health? Okay. So um, I use biofield scanning in my practice, and essentially I evaluate 12 different categories of toxicity. And that's just an easy way to think of kryptonite. So kryptonite could literally be anywhere, anytime, anything for anybody, right? And if if we think about the person who, let's just say there's one person who is really allergic to peanuts, 
right? And literally, if they get a crushed peanut accidentally in their Asian dish, they're going to end up at the hospital in an hour, right? And then there's the person sitting next to them that ordered the pad thai with all the crushed peanuts in it. And they're just enjoying their peanuts up a storm, right? And no reaction at all. And so every type of toxicity you can think of in that way. We have, there's so many things that factor into whether that thing is kryptonite for you or not. And that's the only thing that matters. You know, I mean, in the, um, in the super world where Superman and woman are, you know, affected by this green crystal kryptonite, right? Um, the regular mere mortals aren't affected by kryptonite, right? It's only them. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't even have to be visible. Typically it's not right. It's hidden somewhere and they only know it's there because they start feeling their energy being drained, right? They recognize that sensation and they're like kryptonite must be somewhere i've got to find it or else i'm in big trouble right and i won't be able to save the world keep all the balls in the air mm-hmm. whatever it is you're trying to do with your uh superwoman status so um so um so kryptonite is for you what is creating um stress that your body can't manage and uh that could be um, putting one more thing on your to-do list <laughs> that could be um, mold toxicity, <laughs> that could be uh, dairy sensitivity, that could be, um, you know, I, I mean, it, literally it's all over the board, mm-hmm. as you can see, you know, and and one person sleeps under the same vent with air blowing on their head and the one person who's super sensitive to mold um, has big issues and the person laying next to them in bed does not, mm-hmm. right? One person cannot tolerate dairy and has all sorts of reaction, sinus issues, skin issues, digestive issues, and another person can tolerate the dairy and they get away with it. Right. Um, And that's the way it works. We just um, you've got to become your own PCP. That's um, Mm -hmm. what I encourage people to do, um, become their own primary care person. And you need to become aware of what is causing you to feel. um, So the way I describe it is that dis-ease escalates to disease. And so you've got to catch it when it's dis-ease. And the easiest and best way to do that is to recognize the symptoms you're experiencing and not suppress those symptoms. We're taught to experience a symptom and reach for a pain reliever of some sort. It could be natural. It could be prescription. I don't care. Honestly, I don't care whether it's natural or prescription or otherwise. I just don't want you to suppress the symptoms because the symptoms are clues. And um, by the time the symptom shows up, your body has hit the point where it can't manage whatever it is that's going on because that's been going on for a while and your body's been able to handle it. By the time the symptom shows up, your body's saying, I give, 
I can't do this anymore. Mm. Yeah. And, and to your point, it is so bio-individual and one Mm. person's kryptonite is definitely not another. And things like dairy and mold have been around for all time. Right. But all of a sudden mold is a big issue right now. Is it the mold or is it our tolerance to this fishbowl that we're living in? That's Mm -hmm. pretty toxic. Um, so yeah, I'm so glad that you touched on that. What are, what do you see as, cause I want to get back to the, um, looking at the symptoms, experiencing them and not suppressing them and making sure we use them as alerts. But what are you seeing as the common sources? The I mean, you mentioned mold, dairy, what else are the things that are really popping up and dragging women under right now? So, um, is it the chicken or the egg? Right. (laughs) Um, so just here's a great example of a patient that, um, was doing really well post protocol. You know, I had had her on a protocol and sometimes we, it takes more than one protocol. We string them together so Mm -hmm. that, um, you have to keep kind of peeling out a buildup of toxicity. Right. And so she's doing really good. She's rocking along. Um, she had lost quite a bit of weight, um, as a result of pulling out the toxicity. So she's really excited about that. And um, so she called me and she said, I think I need to go on another protocol. And I said, what's going on? And she's like, well, you know, I've started to put on a few pounds and I'm just wanting to catch it before it really escalates. I'm like, okay. So I scanned her and I said, well, um, it looks like you've got a lot of stress going on. Like what's going on with you? And she said, Oh, I cannot believe that it picked up on this because I've got this renovation going on at my house. And my husband was just saying the other day that he's never seen me this stressed. And she said, I'm so stressed then that I started eating like snack food and chips. And, and so, um, so I'm like, well, you know, you can see, right. Like you're rocking along and you're managing everything. And then you've got this stressful event that, um, before you know it, you've fallen back into some bad habits and now it accumulates. And maybe because your body now is a little extra sensitive, maybe because you're a little older, maybe because you do have these like tendencies, um, that we're managing, um, you know, you don't have as much wiggle room to, to do some of the things you got away with when you were 30. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, so she, uh, we put her on a new protocol and she's like, well, how do I manage this so that this doesn't happen again? I said, well, you were rocking along just fine before, you went into this really stressful period and then fell back into some of your old habits, right? She's like, (laughs) yes. I said, so I would not put you on a long-term kind of forever protocol. That's what everybody wants to be on, right? They're like, just give me the three things I need to take forever (laughs) and, um, and I'll be fine. And it doesn't work that way. If you take these three things forever, your body will just adjust to them and then they really are not working and they may be creating internal toxicity for you, right? Mm-hmm. So what you need to be doing is um, supporting your body for true deficiency and then letting your body do it on its own. If it can handle it, 
and you're rocking along, that's great because I want you to have the symptoms whenever you start falling back into old bad habits, right? I want those symptoms to rise up and to get your attention. And so you go, whoa, I need to do something different. I need to change something. Yeah, absolutely. Those symptoms, they, they are sick. They're signals, they're dashboard alerts. And I mean, I love that you touch on even the concept of stress and weight gain, because we could go down that rabbit hole. I think it's really important for women to hear this for me personally, never really tied in stress and weight gain until late thirties. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'll say specifically in the last probably year or so, I went through an incredibly stressful time. PTSD symptoms came up out of nowhere, hormones change, you know, all of it. Right. And Mm -hmm. Adi was like, Oh, Oh, we are running from a tiger all the time. So we are going to switch up digestion and we're going to store weight. And so all of a sudden my clothes, they still fit, but they fit differently. You know, they got tighter. And I share that not because this is about me. This is about Dr. Gala. And I want to know more about (laughs) your response to things, but I want listeners to hear that, to go, even something like weight gain can be a symptom that your body is working hard for you to do something for some reason. And so I could choose to try to diet or restrict, 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 or go on some like really intense, extreme thing. But the weight gain was telling me that my body was responding to the stress. So it was really the stress, you know, and some of these other things I was eating erratically because I was stressed. And so Mm -hmm. I would go long periods without eating and then I would eat or then, you know, all these things that, that can happen. And so I want people to hear that some of these things that we beat our bodies up for could be your body responding to the messages that you're sending thought wise. Right. So let's talk about stress and weight gain. Can, can we break that down and how that can hit women so differently? Yeah. So, um, again, uh, most women in this age range have had to deal with their bodies, just not cooperating in the same way they did when they were 30. Right. Um, I've never had a big issue with weight, but I have like a 10 pound fluctuation, Mm -hmm. you know, and if I get really stressed and, and along with that stress comes toxicity, then I'll, I will put on 10 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then the only thing that will take that 10 pounds off is a significant reduction in the toxicity. So a lot of times that will require a multi-prong approach, especially now that I'm in my sixties. Right. So, um, so the, um, the cortisol that we so depend on to leap out of bed in the morning, enthusiastic for our life is entirely dependent on our adrenals and our, our glands and our hormone um, signaling and our circadian rhythms. And, you know, there's just, that's one of the reasons why I caution you about trying to supplement because it, all these signals happen at different times based on several other factors that are supposed to be happening. So if we just interrupt the process with something like midstream, we have no idea the cascade of other issues we're creating, right? So um, so with weight gain in particular, um, There's two things that I think I can say 
with a fair degree of confidence. One is that it is not calorie reduction that is going to solve your problem, period, end of story. You're going to have to, (laughs) you're going to have to figure out what your kryptonite, I call them kryptonite foods. You're going to have to figure out what your kryptonite foods are. If it's coming in a bag with too many ingredients on the label, (laughs) I can almost guarantee you that that's got to go, right? Um, But um, calorie reduction is a race to the bottom. What happens is if you Mm -hmm. reduce your calories by, let's just say 500 or a thousand calories a day, it's going to work for a few weeks, maybe even, right? And you're going to go, wow, this is fantastic, right? I'm good to go. But all you did was basically now train your body to live off of a thousand calories. So now your body's used to living off of a thousand calories. And let's just say you've got another like 10 pounds to lose. Well, now where do you go? You know, and if you haven't adjusted what you're eating and you're still accumulating toxicity, then you could be causing more stress by, you know, trying to restrict calories and maybe those calories you're eating are causing more of a problem in a body that's trying to release toxicity, right? Because when you're losing weight, we're mobilizing fat and body tissue. Hopefully we're mobilizing fat. If we're mobilizing body tissue, that's another thing you don't want to be doing, right? But if we're mobilizing fat, that fat's been stored with toxicity, right? So that's all got to come out, right? So um, calorie restriction is not the answer. I do use fasting Mm -hmm. and um, intermittent fasting all the way up to a few days of fasting, depending on what you need and why you need it. Mm -hmm. But we fast for digestive rest, not not for calorie restriction. Mm -hmm. It kind of also restricts calories, but the reason you're doing it is for digestive rest. And so um, I follow a practice that is used by a medical, uh, medically supported fasting clinic in Europe. And um, so we don't 100% water fast. I don't recommend juice fasting. It's too concentrated with the um, chemicals in um, that, that many plants juiced um, is just too concentrated typically for most of our systems. Um, but, but I do recommend fasting. Fasting can be very helpful to just, um, support your body in removing toxicity Mm. and, um, it just allows your body, um, extra energy to do rest and repair. Mm. So one of the things, for example, for you, when you went through your really stressful period and you said you would go through periods of time where like you didn't eat, that's, Act was actually probably good for you because your digestion wasn't working great anyway. If you're so stressed, digestion doesn't work when we're stressed. Right. And so, um, so you allowed yourself at least like one less thing to deal with, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. there's only a certain point that you can push that because your body needs nutrients, Mm -hmm. you know, in order for us to create energy, to produce energy, we need these raw building blocks. And they come in the form of food, air, water, and potentially supplements for known deficiencies. 
And, um, and then our body has a really intricate process that it uses for converting all of that into something that it actually can use for energy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you touched on fasting because that is such a hot topic right now. And it, mm-hmm. it shouldn't be, cause again, that's another thing that's been around for thousands yeah. and thousands of years yeah. and used therapeutically as well. Mm-hmm. So that, that is, I'm glad that you touched on that. I'm glad you touched on the calorie conversation as well, because I am with you. It just leads to long-term metabolic disaster. So um, yes, I, I think that that's important. So with these nutrients, right? Like you mentioned that fat cells are storage tanks for toxins potentially. Potentially, And so that if somebody is, yes. So if somebody is losing weight, so say they're, they're losing the weight, but their toxins are not going anywhere because they haven't maybe, um, maybe they're not going to the bathroom regularly. Maybe they're constipated, but they're losing weight. That's a big problem. And we need even nutrients to kind of to access the detoxification pathways as well. Correct. So, I mean, it's, it's a complicated process to your point. So how can women ensure that they are getting the nutrients that they need to sleep well, to feel good, to, you know, make sure they're not storing toxins in their fat to make sure that their cortisol is balanced. I mean, what, what are some of your tips there? So, um, the, uh, elimination pathways, have to be working properly. I was just talking to a patient yesterday and um, I'm putting her on a new protocol and this is going to be a first protocol for her. She's a new patient. And, um, and so I told her that I was giving her a supplement to help with constipation because she admitted that, um, that that's one of her issues. And, um, and so I said, you know, this is, this is all natural, but very powerful. And so you need to be careful if you take it because it can easily be too much. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and I said, you know, you need to be having a bowel movement once or twice a day. I said, our, we're trying to mobilize toxicity and get it out of your system. The only way that's going to happen is if you're having regular bowel movements, your urination is working properly. Um, you know, and you're not, bombarding yourself with new toxicity, which is another issue that I, you know, we have to figure out what it is that, that each individual person is ingesting regularly. That's kind of counterbalancing any efforts we're trying to uh, use. But um, she said every day, she said, sometimes I don't go for four days. I said, so here's what's happening. We're mobilizing these toxins. They can't get out of your body. So your body's just going to restore them somewhere. Mm -hmm. And maybe they were better stored where they got stored the first time. So we can't use a detox protocol without making sure that our pathways of elimination are working properly. And that's, you know, then people will have skin issues. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I don't care if stuff comes out through the skin, but that typically tends to be the place that people least like to see their Absolutely. toxicity being released, right? Like, yeah. no, I don't want anybody <laughs> to see it, you know? So, um, so I said, if you don't want to come in out through your skin, then we need to be making sure you're having regular bowel movements. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's so helpful. It's something that it's funny. It's like, I know people don't ever want to talk about how much they're pooping, but it's very important. And I think a lot of people think that going every four days is normal and it might, maybe it, maybe it is their normal, but that doesn't mean that it's, it's, no, there's nothing normal about it. If that is your normal, that is not normal and not healthy. And you have a major backup of toxicity. Um, in your system guaranteed. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think that's important. What are some other signs that somebody might be struggling with toxicity? So we tend to see headaches, Hmm. digestion issues, including, you know, constipation or diarrhea, um, sinus issues and skin issues. Like those are our big, um, those are the big pathways that either things come in or things go out. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. We're basically the human body's like a tube within a tube, right? Mm -hmm. So our, our um, sinuses, our nose and our mouth kind of connects to the um, respiratory system. And that is all um, part of the way we make and filter blood. Right. But, but then we also take things in through our mouth, into our digestive system and our, um, our esophagus, esophageal track is awesome at like figuring out which way to send things. That's another like amazing thing about our human body. Right. But now that tube essentially ends up, um, with our bowel movement elimination at our anus. Right. So, um, so you can think of both of those pathways and you can think of what kind of is between, right? And then the thing that people typically don't think of as related are headaches. And um and um I will give you really good odds. <laughs> uh I would take that bet that if we uh reduced your toxicity dramatically that chronic headaches would be a thing of the past for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good. That's such good information. So what are some easy ways that, that people, I say easy, um, maybe practical ways <laughs> that we can manage our stressors or maybe even be more aware of our stressors so, um, that we aren't struggling with these symptoms. Yeah. I think, um, the way I counsel patients is to notice the ways you suppress symptoms. What are your pain relievers? Okay. Um, A lot of times you've had some chronic something happening for a really long time and you just established this way that you deal with it. And, um, and you don't even really think of it as um, like you're relieving a symptom right? Or that that's a pain reliever. And so if you will um, stop suppressing the symptoms. So let's just say that um, you are a caffeine consumer. And I'm not talking about the person who has one cup of coffee in the morning, because it's just like habitual and they like the way it tastes and smells. I'm talking about the person who has three or four cups of coffee 
follows it with an energy drink, you know, hits the afternoon and thinks I'm not going to make it if I don't like have another cup of coffee or an energy drink, right? That's basically living off of caffeine. You are suppressing symptoms, right? And so um, the first thing to do, and I wouldn't do this cold turkey because you're going to end mm -hmm. up with wicked headaches, <laughs> but you're going to have to start weaning yourself off the caffeine and you don't have have to completely give up your coffee. You can go down to like that one cup in the morning just to get your day started, but that's it. You're done. And, um, and so, you know, there's just a lot of ways that we think of as just part of the way I manage my day-to-day -day life that, um, that are, suppressing symptoms. So for example, let's just say you stop at a fast food place regularly, or you regularly need your donut, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> or you need a Coke at lunch, right? Which basically tells me that you're addicted to sugar, right? And, um, and uh, <laughs> for literally as long as I have been into holistic health, which has been over 30 years, I have said that um, a donut and a Coke are like the Molotov cocktail of food that you can consume, right? You could probably at this point relate, replace a Coke even with one of these sweet um, coffee drinks. Absolutely. They're really not any better by the time you put mm -hmm. all that sugar and dairy and mm -hmm. all kinds of those, other stuff whatever in there. Chemicals they make um, those sweeteners with. Yeah. But the donut is dough and sugar and fried. And I can just about guarantee you that the oil that they fry it in is not a healthy fat. <laughs> So it just like doesn't get any worse than donut and a Coke or a sweet coffee drink. So um, if you are thinking that's your breakfast and that's going to sort of like get you going in the morning, um, you know, there's another example that you might not think of as suppressing symptoms, but like anything you're doing that, um, that you kind of know is not healthy. I mean, wouldn't you know that eating a donut and drinking sugary stuff isn't healthy? We all know that, right? Like that's not, I'm not telling you anything. That's a surprise. I just think you haven't thought of it as, as a, a way of suppressing symptoms. Yeah. Right. So if you were to skip and you'd have to do it for more than a week. You, you'd notice improvement probably after a week. You, it's going to take you three or four days just to get over the major um, cravings, right? Um, and potentially headaches mm -hmm. um, related to that. But it's going to take you, you know, a week or so just to kind of get through that. And then it takes us six weeks really to establish a new habit. So six to eight weeks, two months is what you really need to do to change something and to give your body enough time to heal, to really notice the benefits of it. 
every organ in our body, our entire body is constantly regenerating itself. Mm. Now, if you aren't sleeping well and you've got a lot of toxic buildup, your body may be a little slower to do its repair work. Um, but, um, that's one of the awesome things about fasting. It can really help support our bodies and doing that repair work. But, um, but every organ, every tissue, every cell is constantly being refreshed and different parts of the body take longer to make that happen. So some things might happen in a week, some things might take six months, right? So um, so you're gonna see benefits over that period of time. And mm-hmm. um, and then you know, when you're not seeing um benefits accumulating, then you've probably got to go one level deeper. You know, you gotta yeah. now it's time to add one more thing you know, remove one more stressor, right. Mm -hmm. Um, to free up some more resources. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the idea of looking at something like a donut. It is a stressor. It's a physiological stressor on the body. And a lot of people are just like, Oh, it's just, it's just my, um, you know, it's the craving it's my craving. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just what my body needs. My body needs that hit of sugar, that dopamine, you know, whatever it is to, but your body has to process that. And so I'm glad you use that as an example, because I am a former donut junkie. And <laughs> now if I see them, I'm like, I know how I will feel within an hour and it is not worth it. You know, yeah, I'm exactly. able to yeah. put that, you know, to draw the line in the sand there, but I couldn't for years because I loved those yeah. glazed twists. Whenever mm-hmm. I was younger, I loved those things. And uh, I was never really a coffee drinker, but I would drink black tea, like the Earl Grey tea. Uh-huh. And um, and so I would, when I was really young, I would have a glazed twist and a one or two cups mm-hmm. of black tea in the morning. And um, I didn't, I wasn't like a donut everyday person, but mm-hmm. I drank my tea every day. And I, when I was going through this really stressful period, um, I knew toxicity was building up. And what I noticed was that I was using more caffeine, kind of chasing headaches with caffeine. The only thing that would take the headache away was more caffeine, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was smart enough at that point, thank goodness, to recognize that that's what was happening. And I, I stopped caffeine cold turkey. And um, I went to Hawaii on vacation and um, had a lovely week at the Four Seasons on Maui and literally laid on a lounge chair with my head throbbing for like most of the time. (laughs) Uh, By the time I was returning home, I was not on caffeine and my headaches were gone, but boy, was that not the way to do it? You know, (laughs) there are easier way to do ways to do it. So that is good to hear. And I'm glad you're saying that. I know somebody's glad to hear that as well. So yeah. Yeah. So where can people, I mean, do you take virtual clients and can people work with you and um, where can people contact you for more information? Yeah, I actually work primarily with people virtually. So um, you can find me at my website, drgala.com, D-R-G-A-L-A.com. And if you go all the way to the bottom of the homepage, um, you'll see all the little social media links and you can find me on whatever social channel you most um, frequent. 
And then on your way down there, there is a form where you can subscribe to my newsletter. I send a newsletter out every Sunday, just with some of my thoughts, the latest thing I'm kind of working on or um, dealing with. And, um, and so just helps, I think, to um, have a little extra support, somebody who understands this concept of becoming your own PCP and uh, not suppressing symptoms because boy, is that a different way to approach uh, health issues. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It's transformative. I, I, I lived it and I'm living proof that it, you can live free from a lot of you, those unpleasant symptoms when you start to listen to them. So I'm so glad that you're addressing that and you encourage so many, um, just with that concept of empowerment and health advocacy. So I appreciate that last question I got to ask is, you know, the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? I think that we all know what our kryptonite is, but to take it seriously, just to, um, to say like, okay, I hear you, you know, cause we're getting those internal messages and we're ignoring them. We're pushing them down and, mm-hmm. um, and you need to say, okay, I hear you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna not just keep giving it lip service and kicking the can down the road. I'm gonna, I'm going to take action and do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Take action and do something about it. That is a great note to end on. So thank you so much for your time and this conversation. And I I'm just grateful for you to be on the show. Thanks again for having me here. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to sparking wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.